This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening. Welcome in. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I am Brandon Kylie. We have the one and only Therese Paler alongside us tonight. It's been a while, man. It's been a while since we've been here. So I'm very happy to have Therese on the show tonight. If you guys want to get involved, the text line is 69306. You can hit us up on Twitter always. I'm at BK Sports Talk. Therese is at Therese Paler. Therese, you've been hanging out down in New Orleans. You got to see an unbelievable game yesterday between the 49ers and the Saints. And we got to watch a pretty good one up in New England between the Chiefs and the Patriots. How you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I know we've been kind of waiting for for something to roll. You know, we've been waiting to get back on the show because it's been about a month now. Um, there's a lot to talk about and a lot to digest after the game that I just watched and the Super Bowl implications there. And then, obviously, um, the Chiefs-Patriots game, which I had an opportunity to study closely, too. So I'm really excited to kind of chop it up um, and let people know what I think about what happened in New England. All right, let's start with the Chiefs game. Um, the defense. I think the headline of the story, the headline of the game is what the defense was able to do. And, Therese, I think you can kind of bottle this thing all down. And it's it's not just this, but the symbolic play to me was the last play of the game. Last year, if you get into that situation, you're talking about a fourth down, they need five, six yards, and they need to get a touchdown there, and it's Tom Brady going up against your defense. You're fully expecting they're going to run a pick play, they're going to run something to Edelman, and they're going to find a way to get this touchdown here. Well, yesterday was different, and yesterday was different because of everything that they did this offseason to make it different. The blitz call by Spagnolo, the perfect call in the perfect spot. Frank Clark comes around the edge just like you said eventually. If you need a big spot, Frank Clark's going to deliver. Well, Frank Clark got there, was getting home, and Brady had to get rid of it quicker than he wanted to. Tyron Matthew in the perfect spot to be able to pass off that inside-outside combination. He does so really well. And then Bashad Breland is exactly where he needs to be and makes the play. Spags, who you brought in this offseason for that call in that game. Frank Clark for that play in that game. Tyron Matthew and Bashad Breland. The guys that they brought in to make that play in that game all came up big whenever it mattered the most. Yeah, and this was a game where you definitely – this is what they brought these guys in here for, right? Um, all offseason I heard about you know the competitive spirit of Tyron Matthew, the competitive spirit of Frank Clark. Um, and even the competitive spirit of some of these other guys um, that ended up making plays in this game, um, I'd actually expand it beyond the final play because I think um, in, in, on so many occasions defensively, um, you know, they, they, they really got after the quarterback. And I, I just think for Chiefs fans, this just has to be a relief for once in a big spot to see their, their defense get after Tom Brady and not just keep taking it and taking it and taking it, right? Um, and, and I'm going to expound upon that point because it's a good point, and it's, we're, we're in lockstep here. It's not just those players. How about the stunts and games up front, man, defensively? The defensive line, the blitz pressure. Early in the year, man, it was just two months ago, we were talking about, hey, you know, where, where are all the stunts at that we got sold on? 
Where are the Patriots-like stunts that we were told Brennan Daly was going to bring in? Well, guess what? They were in this game, and they were executed really well. And sometimes you see that during the season. When a team is asked to run stunts, and it's kind of a new thing for them, and they're being relied upon to run well because you'll play coverage on the back end, sometimes it takes a while for a defense to really start to get the timing of it. The defensive players to really get the timing of picking off the offensive linemen, looping around, really timing it all up. And, I, and so many occasions, I'm like, wow, that looks really good. Oh, wow, look at Cork loop around like this. And, and on so many occasions, you know what I said to myself, BK? I said, ooh, that looks like the Patriots in the Super Bowl last year against the Rams with those stunts, with the stunts, and that type, with just the execution of it, right, that Brian Flores had going. So, obviously, this entire Therese Taylor show has been focused about January, but now it's December. This matters, right? We're starting to see who you're going to be in January. And if the Chiefs can continue to execute stunts like that and they get that version of Frank Clark and Chris Jones and all these guys, that is the defense that can get you to the Super Bowl. And you know who you didn't bring up there? Was Tyron Matthew. And Tyron oh, Matthew, Therese, was unbelievable yesterday. And what I liked maybe even more than Tyron Matthew's play was the way that Steve Spagnolo used Tyron Matthew. If it was a big play and they felt like it was going to James White, he was one-on-one on James White, and whether he if he stayed back in, they were blitzing Tyron Matthew. If he went out in a passing route, it was one-on-one Matthew v, uh, v versus their running back, and he was going to be the guy that was ultimately going to take that on. If they felt like it was an you know, Edelman play, they went with him on Edelman. Like, they used him all over the place yesterday. Yeah, and, and I really feel it's important that like, they showed that. And I, the team defense showed some pretty good stuff yesterday. They showed some blitz packages. They showed some, they show how they prefer to deploy Tyron Matthew. I think now it's really important that they create wrinkles off this stuff because it's on tape. It's on tape against the Patriots. Um, and the team they'll face in the playoffs will devise ways to counter it, um, specifically Matthew. But uh, he's a guy that his competitive spirit, and I did mention him, um, his competitive spirit is there. Like, it matters. It, it's a tangible effect. There And so often you can kind of find, like, juice givers, energy givers who can raise the level of their teammates, not by stomping around, and, but by showing emotion and connecting with teammates. And, you know, Badger's, like, Chief Kingdom landlord thing on Twitter, like, he, it shows on the field. Um, and he's been a lot of fun to watch all year, to be honest. Um, but, but you did see why they got him. Frank Clark, why they brought in Steve Spagnuolo, just, I would just tell you now, you better make sure you have some counters for this stuff, some, some wrinkles and twists you can throw in, because it's on tape, and good teams, teams you'll meet in the playoffs, and we'll talk about teams, if you're a Chiefs fan, you probably don't want to see later, you know, good teams are going to have the opportunity to, they, they'll have counters for it, so we're going to find out just how good the staff is, because they need counters for it. No question. I think if you're a Chiefs fan, the thing that made me most thrilled yesterday, and you kind of mentioned this, Therese, was this is not the way they were winning last year. This is a different way. Right. This it's, is new. This is interesting to me. And after the game, Chris Jones had a really interesting quote to me. Quote, we don't need the offense to win games for us. Last year, we kind of lingered towards the offense, scoring a lot of points to win games. We don't need that. We as a defense can stand up to any team in this league. That's how it's supposed to be. I think yesterday was really important for a million different reasons, Therese. Maybe number one on that list is 
The New England Patriots are kind of like a boogeyman. They're, they're not going to die oh. until you ultimately kill them, and they're still not dead. No Don't kinda. get me wrong. No, there ain't no kind of. They, they all the way there, brother. They all the way there. Go ahead, though. You know it's right. Yesterday, the Chiefs felt like they overcame that, and we've seen this in the past in the regular season. We'll see what happens in the playoffs, but... I don't know that we've seen that kind of domination from the Chiefs' defense up there against New England ever. No. And I think that's what's oh, different no. about this is now they go into the playoffs knowing they can do it. If they have to go up there to the place where you mm-hmm. say the phones don't work, where they don't. <laughs> apparently their equipment gets sent to New York. Where apparently. Did you see the other story uh, no, now? Right, now they're spying on the Bengals because they can't beat the oh, one no. in 12 Bengals without spying on them. All right. All right, New England. You we get it. I think I'm crazy when I tell you every time I go into Foxborough and I get out of my car and I look at my phone and guess what? No bars. It ain't working. Um, no, but dude, you're right though, man. Like, that game was important because they, they are the boogeyman for the Chiefs. You keep going up there, you keep facing them, you keep losing. I know it's a regular season game. If you face them in the playoffs, it'll be a slightly different Patriots team. But for your team, for your confidence, the proof of how important it was was that quote from Chris Jones. Because that's not something you say if you lose to the Patriots. I'm glad that this defense is starting to feel itself a little bit. I'm glad they got confidence. You got three weeks left. Better make sure the intensity stays the same because if you want people to believe in this defense and believe in it, just a month ago, Derrick Henry, 180 you know, yards, you got to keep stacking performances like that defensively. I don't think that they can afford to, to let off on the focus. So let's keep seeing it, right? Back it up. Let's keep seeing it. The five biggest plays in that game by the Patriots were two defensive pass interference calls, a scramble by a 42-year-old Tom Brady, and two trick plays, 72 of their two 170 passing yards, Therese, came on trick plays yesterday. Bro. That's crazy. That's bro. crazy. B- BK, bro, I saw, those, I saw those trick plays from the Patriots, and I, I immediately realized this is a good football rule, everybody. A team tells you what they think about you. A team tells you what they think about you based on how they play you. That's what they think of you, right? So if they're, if they're manning up your corners with one high, they don't respect you, all right? Conversely, if their offense is breaking out trick plays, they think your defense might be more talented than they have the skill position. So I see the Patriots going to this gimmick stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. They don't think they could beat these guys straight up. And to me, at this point in the season, well, I'm like, damn, that's where we're at? Okay. And trust me, football players know that, and they're going to see it. You see, see it, and they're like, okay, great, let's go, let's go. So that was so huge to me, man. I'm glad you brought up those trick plays because I'm like, the Patriots, so they got to use this stuff to, to move the ball against Kansas City. And that is something we can't say we've seen in a long time. I don't know that I've seen it ever, specifically with that team. Maybe I've seen it with other teams that are less talented than, than the Chiefs, but never with New England. He is Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. Thrilled to be back with you guys tonight. If you want to get involved, the text line is 69306. You can always hit us up on Twitter as well. I'm at BK Sports Talk. Therese is at Therese Paler. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, I do want to get into the officiating because nationally, that is going to be the storyline out of yesterday's game. But locally, I think this is the storyline. I think we're starting to see the passing of the torch in the AFC. We'll discuss it next. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio.
Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We got Nick Price on the other side of the glass helping us produce this thing tonight. And Therese Paler, of course, the one and only NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. It is the Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. If you guys want to get involved in the show, the Protein House E with the Purpose text line is 69306. We'll talk about the officiating coming up here in just about 15 minutes. But Therese, I think one of the biggest stories here for me over the last month or so is what we're witnessing in the NFL. And you've been on this all year. I think we're watching the beginning of the passing of the torch in the AFC. We've watched Manning and Brady and Ben in this AFC dominate the conference for 20 years. And now I think we're starting to see the next trio of quarterbacks that we're going to see in the AFC. It's Deshaun Watson, it's Lamar Jackson, and it's Patrick Mahomes. And Therese, for the first time in Tom Brady's career, He's lost to three quarterbacks under the age of 25, and it's those three guys. That's right. I couldn't be more proud of the fact that I wrote a column saying this was happening in September um, because it is. And here's the thing. All these young quarterbacks are so good, and it's not just the AFC either. I mean, look, I just, I'm coming from um, New Orleans. Jimmy G showed some real stones against the 49ers. And Drew Brees, he's getting older, man. You know, so, like, you're seeing it even in the NFC, right? Um it's so cool to watch these young quarterbacks get out there and do their thing. The best thing about Watson, Mahomes, um, and Jackson is that they're fun to watch. This is good for the league. People, kids are going to be able to watch them on TV and say, oh, I want to be like that guy. And those three specifically, if you say that, you're like, okay, that means that I'm going to create in my legs, I'm going to make off-platform throws, I'm going to make second reaction throws, and I'm going to make stuff happen. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I do know about you, but I'm going to say this to you people out because I know you, BK. You know, the, it is so fun watching those three play quarterback just because you never know what's coming. This is good for the game of football. If you love pro football, not even pro football, if you just love football, these three killing it and doing it the way they're doing it is going to help this sport survive with all the concussion scares, all that. These are the type of guys that make people come out and watch on Sunday. Not just watch on TV, come out to the stadium. Because if you love football, you know what you're probably going to say to yourself? At some point in your life, you're probably going to want to see Mahomes live. You're probably going to want to see Lamar live, Deshaun live. And you know why? If you got kids, they're going to be wearing that jersey probably too. So you're right. Definitely passing on the torch. Um, these young guys got to stay with it. They got to keep rolling. But um, the league, I'm telling you, couldn't be happier with the crop of young quarterbacks. And the guy's coming, too. It's a good group. It's a good group. I love the way that you said that they're fun to watch because I think that's the biggest difference between this crop and the last crop. And I'm not suggesting that mm-hmm. Tom Brady isn't fun to watch. He is, but it's more fun to watch because of how amazing he is, right? <laughs> like, he's just dicing right. you up left and right. Same thing with Peyton Manning. Same thing right. with Drew Brees. Like, they are so perfect in the way that yep. they play the game that it becomes fun to watch, but it's not really all that, like, there's not a whole lot of moments in Tom Brady's career where I'm like, Damn, I don't think anybody else could have done that. Play by Tom Brady. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's a great point because you know what? Think of like the memorable Tom Brady moments. They almost always involve like a receiver. He's the GOAT. Let's just absolutely Tom the GOAT. Period. In the story. But they almost always involve like a receiver doing some crazy stuff too. Remember the Edelman catch in the Super Bowl? Can't do it without Jules. Randy Moss, like you think about 2007. Moss Holman, deep ball, 50 touch, Gronk, the same kind of deal. And that's no disrespect to Brady. It's just the way these kids do it. 
it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And, it, and honestly, it's, it's replicable, you know, because on sand lots, in, on, in parking lots throughout the country at lunchtime, you know, kids are going to want to be like these guys running and making stuff happen. The example that I would use is Lamar this year, Andrew Siciliano, who does Red Zone, right? If you're if you're somebody that watches Directv, he does he does Red Zone. He was interviewed recently, and he was like, "What's it like to do a Red Zone game, a Red Zone Sunday, while Lamar Jackson's on TV?" And he said he just laughs. He just laughs because these guys <laughs> that are paying millions of dollars to tackle NFL football players can't tackle him. The Deshaun Watson play from earlier this year, where he was kicked in the face and throws a touchdown, that's something that I will always remember. That's going to be a career highlight. For Deshaun Watson, Patrick yeah. Mahomes, some of the things that we saw him do last year, you know, no other person in the NFL, maybe ever, can do some of those things. And so that's oh. how I think it's different is these guys are players that they're going to make plays that are like what you would talk about with Deion Sanders. Like They, they have just changed right. the way that the position is being played. And there have been elusive quarterbacks in the past, right? So we're going to show respect. Aaron Rodgers, he's done that too. Um, Michael Vick, obviously – you know, one of the best, most elusive quarterbacks of all time. But, you know, Lamar's already a better passer than he was. Yeah, he's, he's already – Lamar's ability to win in between the numbers and throw with accuracy on play action, it, it's advanced. Um, he's a better passer than Vic. And also, like, even Donovan McNabb, who's pretty creative in his time too, there wasn't, like, a cool factor to McNabb, though. All three of those guys, because of the way they do stuff, because of the, the swagger they kind of carry themselves with, the 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 – just the, the moments they have, the epic moments they can produce, all have like a, a, a more cool factor to them. And again, I, I think the fun, I think the question now, BK, is like, how many more guys will we see like this? Is this something we're going to see more of because colleges are so spread oriented and RPO oriented? Will we see more guys like this? Or is this just a really special time in the league history where we got three, four, you know, really, really good elite premium young quarterbacks that can make stuff happen. That's what's going to be fun to watch over the next decade. What I'm hoping is the guy that's fun to watch over the next three or four weeks, Therese, is Patrick Mahomes because – a1 transition there we go how about that i'm a professional this nice. is what i'm here for my friend <laughs> nice. patrick mahomes seemingly can't get healthy i don't know what it is maybe he's just snake bit this year but first it was week one with the high ankle sprain then it was the knee yeah. against the broncos and then this week against yeah. the patriots we see the hand issue and it sounds like the x-rays were negative but we heard reporting this week or earlier today and i'd be interested in seeing if you have anything else to add to it therese it sounds like it is something that's going to bother him. It might not be broken, but it is something that's going to bother him. How, how yeah. significant do you think this is moving forward? How much should Chiefs fans be worried about yeah. this? Uh, it should be concerned. Yeah, it's going to bother him. Um, that stuff is correct. It should be look. The, the thing is, like that matches what you saw. Like once he had the injury, he wasn't quite doing the same. Um, I want to. I want to speak kind of on the in, in general, like on my holistic look at this. If you're a Chiefs fan, the number one thing you're going to come out of the season, kind of like no, no matter what happens, is like, you know, Patrick can't, keep ha can't have, like, injury seasons like this. And that starts with better protection up front, right? So, you know, your swing tackle next year, your backup swing tackle, it's going to need to be an upgrade, right? Um, and, in fact, as someone who loves the game of football and enjoys watching it, I wouldn't mind some, 
some high, some heavy investment in the offensive line because that's going to make life easier on Patrick. But also, you know, the accumulation of injuries this year from the knee to the wrist, you know, to the ankle, like this is starting to become a lot um, in, in, in one season. And it's a concern because this is your franchise quarterback who you're going to pay a boatload of money to. So if you're the Chiefs, one thing you have to at least consider is, okay, we know we need help here, here, and here. But the defense is starting to come on. If there's some offensive linemen we really like, or even a free agency, whatever, would it really kill us to invest in that position? Maybe higher than people think? I think the answer to that is no. And I think, like, I think they would have to think about it because doing a better job with the run game, right, better pass protection, upgrading along the offensive line is one thing that's going to not just help you on the field, but you actually have to look at it as bringing money to the organization for a decade. <laughs> Because as long as my home, I'm serious. I know, I know, and that's certainly something they're interested in—is bringing money back, right? Right, right. Well, trust me, they are. (laughs) Uh, This is a business. Never forget. I'm glad you brought that up. Never forget. This is a business. You know, as long as my home is healthy for the decade, this is worth millions and millions of dollars of dollars. So I think that's something you're going to have to consider. And I actually wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe invest there more than people think in the offseason. And it's something that you have to consider whenever we're talking about the offense too, right? Like. I have certainly been critical of the offense the last few weeks, but I do think this week in particular, there was a very clear explanation as to what happened. And the first half, the offense looked really good. And some will say that the second half was just Bill Belichick adjusting. I don't think it was that. I think it was the fact that Mahomes was hurt. And Mahomes in the second half attempted two passes the entire half that traveled more than 10 yards in the air. That's not Patrick Mahomes. We've watched this guy play football, and we know that's not him if he's healthy. And so... When that's not ankle- Andy either. Exactly. That ain't Andy either. So we no, we so yeah, that, that's not Andy. And, <laughs> we gotta we gotta get off. But it's not Andy either, right? Um. So yeah, I'm with you on that 100. percent Like maybe you know it's Belichick. Maybe we'll give him some credit on that. Like, like yeah, you know, I'm sure he made some trade. But it's a lot. It's a lot easier to make some adjustments when the reigning MVP is shaking his hand, you know, and he's not throwing downfield. So. Like, are you with me on this? Like, I hope. I mean, this is someone who loves football that there is some thought at least to upgrading the backups next year, so that if you get your starters hurt, you got some better options to turn to um, to protect in the name of protecting your franchise jewel. Yeah, no, I understood the way that they were going this year by trying to kind of go with the value guys on the interior. It just hasn't worked, and so now you have to protect your investment. You're going to give Mahomes. You've said it. They're going to give Mahomes all of the money, right? Whatever he asks for, you got to give it to him. And so you make that investment, and then you vest up front because you can't have this again next year. It can't happen. They can't have a game where he's going into it, and he knows he's going to be pressured on 50% of his dropbacks. It just can't happen next year. So I expect that they're going to invest in the interior next offseason. I I think there are going to be some major changes up there. And, And how about this? I know where you stand on like the pass versus one thing, but I think we're at the point in the season now we're we're seeing some really good run teams that are actually really good this year. Like some of the league's best teams are really adept at running the football. Like the 49ers, oh god, you love if you love football, just turn on their all twenty two. And it is their outside zone stuff is incredible. And their inside zone stuff is incredible. But my point is you're kind of seeing the old-school run game come back a little bit. All the stuff the Ravens are doing, this is stuff from 1985, schematically, right? So, like, this isn't just about throwing the football. It's about finding the value. 
And I think if you can, if you have a jewel like Mahomes, of course you want to sling it. I'm all for it. I'm not for taking the ball out of Patrick's hands. But think about how hard the Chiefs would be to stop if their offensive line created movement on short yardage situations consistently. That's not something they always do, and that does concern me. But what if their line? What will Mahomes off? What, what will Mahomes do behind San Francisco's offensive line? or Baltimore's offensive line. You know what they do? What you saw when they had Kareem Hunt last year. It would look a lot like that production-wise. So, you know, I know I'm capable for something that I'm very well-established, loving the run game. But from a football schematic perspective, I don't want them to run it like Baltimore. But if they could, tap into that a little bit. You don't just protect your quarterback. You also make yourself a lot harder to stop, just in case he does get hurt. You know what else happens, Therese, is because you have Patrick Mahomes, you get leads. And when you get leads, the best thing to do at that point is to run the football. And I'm certainly not the guy that says you got to run the football a lot. But if you can run it well at the end of the game, say yesterday, for instance, if you could run the ball effectively for four or five yards a pop, well, now the yes. fourth quarter goes a lot quicker. You give the Patriots fewer opportunities to be able to come back at you, and the boogeyman dies a heck of a lot quicker than he ultimately did. <laughs> and maybe now you're and not worrying about a fourth and three at the end of the game, right? Nope. And your defense gets a little more rest. They get a little bit better. So, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. I am with it. I want to see how the rest of the season unfolds. But just trust me watching the, the, the Saints um, 49ers in, in person, I saw the effect of a really good run game. Um, and how tough that is to stop. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. We got Nick Price on the other side of the glass producing this bad boy for us tonight. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. If you want to get involved, the text line is 69306. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes, we are going to go around the NFL. Therese was in New Orleans for the 49ers game yesterday. In my opinion, the game of the year. So I want to get his thoughts on that. But coming up next, the officiating nationally was the number one, without a doubt, no question headline from the, from the game yesterday. I want to get Therese's thoughts on it. We'll do it next. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie, Nick Price on the other side of the glass, and the one and only Therese Paler of Yahoo Sports here with us tonight. Coming up in just about 15 minutes, we will go around the NFL with the biggest storylines from the week in the NFL heading into Monday Night Football. But the big story nationally, Therese, of course, coming out of yesterday's game for the Chiefs and the Patriots was the officiating. I'm going to let you listen to what Rex Ryan had to say about the officiating yesterday (laughs) between the Chiefs and the Patriots. Why don't we just change the whole rules because New England got messed (laughs) up? I'm sorry, but give me a break. Cry me a river. Man, New England's never had a break. Oh, please, give me a break. I, I mean, we're not changing the rules or anything else. Yeah, was there some mistakes? Absolutely, and I loved it for one. Okay, so that's Rex Ryan's opinion on the matter. Therese, I'll tell you where I come out on it. They messed up. There were some awful, awful, awful calls in that game. It also went both ways. And if the Patriots had an offense that was worth a damn, it wouldn't have mattered in the end. They needed three yards. They had four downs to get it, and they weren't able to do so. So as much as I'm absolutely with everybody else that's crushing the officiating yesterday because it was atrocious, There were also a hundred different ways that the Patriots could have won that game if they were a better football team, and they weren't able to make it up. Yeah, man. See, you and I are in lockstep on this show, man. Like, whining about the officiating is like a loser's lament, man. Like, I, 
it mattered. Like the Kelsey thing was an abomination. <laughs> that was that was horrible. Like, I get it, but at the same time, like they're complaining about it because they lost the game, but they lost the game because their offense has to use trick plays to move the ball in chunks. Like this is what teams that lost do, and those fans aren't used to that. They're not used to seeing this. Um, no one has any sympathy for the Patriots because you know why. You watch that game, BK, and you know what you see every time they kick a field goal into the, the north end zone? You see six big Super Bowl banners, and they light them up. They light them right on up, so every time they kick right into that open end, you see them. They're just right there. Like, nobody cares, guys. You've won six in the last two decades. Every once in a while, you're going to have to take an L sometime. Like, nobody feels bad for you. You've won six press. I'm a Lions. I grew up in Detroit. I would care to have one. Like, nobody cares. Do you know how many horrible things I've seen as a linebacker? The Calvin Johnson play. Uh, every, every Thanksgiving starts with two Lions field goals, and they lose on a field. I've just seen it over and over and over Man, again. Man, I can say the forward progress had, here in Kansas bro, City. The Lions <laughs> have had enough bad luck to, to, to handle six fan franchises. So for the Patriots. The Patriots fan, so worried about this officiating. The nerve of you, sir. The nerve of you. How dare you? The Chiefs fan base can literally hear the word forward progress, and we all know exactly oh. what we're referencing. So, like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it from you Patriots no. fans. Not today. No, not after that game. No. And you know what? By the way, Jeff Triple's performance, I'm going to say his name, his performance in that game was so bad he unceremoniously retired. Like, they couldn't wait to tell people after that game that he was done and he wasn't coming back. I've never seen a call like that since, before or since. You never will see another call like that. Um, and, and, hey, I'm just saying, man, like, I can't believe the whining. You know, you lost the game because your offense can't consistently move the football. And the, the calendar's turned to December. Like, that's the problem, not the officiating. It was bad, but don't whine about it. Get better. All right, so we're on the same page there. I'm interested to see if we're on the same page here. The two seed. It's unlikely. It's not the most likely scenario for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I was looking this up yesterday, Therese. Here's the scenario. Mm -hmm. If the Chiefs win out and they have a reasonably easy schedule moving forward, they've got the Chargers, they've got the Broncos, and they've got one more tough, more difficult game on the road at the Chicago Bears. They lost Roquan Smith for the year earlier today, and that's a team that you should be able to beat if you're the Chiefs. They should go 3-0, and finish the year 12-4. and yeah. If the Patriots were to lose one game down the stretch, it's all it requires, one game. They've got the Bengals, and they've got a tough game against the Bills coming up. The Chiefs would then get the two seed. Therese, in your mind, do you think that is a realistic outcome for this season? It's a, it's a possibility, and it's more of a possibility than I would have said yesterday. You know why? This bubbling, this bubble, this bubbling Spygate 2.0 thing, this is called a distraction. That's what this is called. Um, the problem is, you know, the Patriots schedule the rest of the way, you know, like you know, the Bengals, they didn't need this thing. They're still beating the Bengals. That's happening. And Buffalo, they kind of own Buffalo. Um, and, you know, I love my Bills. I've been on point with my Bills this year. But, you know, it's asking a lot for my Bills to go into New England and win a game New England's got to win to get the two seed. I, I think it's unlikely, but it's more likely than it was a day ago at this time because – this Spygate 2.0 thing, if it becomes a, a distraction, if it becomes a thing, I, I could see it maybe being – look, 
Bill Belichick is the king of keeping the distractions out. Like they just, they're, they're really good at blocking this stuff out, but it's kind of hard to escape. So I still think it's unlikely, but there's a little more of a chance than there was yesterday at this time. I think it's unlikely. I agree with you that there's more of a chance now. I would also say this. Now, the rest would be great. The rest would be amazing, right? The thing, though, is the Chiefs basically, no matter what, no matter what in this postseason, are very likely going to have to go through New England and through Baltimore. They're going to have to beat those teams regardless. Now, the first round, the difficult thing here, the thing that I would be a little leery of is it's possible that the sixth seed coming into the postseason <laughs> is, is the Titans. A little? You were a little worried about just a little? This is the, I'm terrified. terrified All right, listen, listen. Right? I'm, I'm absolutely terrified of the idea of going the, the, the Chiefs route to the Super Bowl potentially being, yeah. all right, you got to play at home against the Titans, and then you got to go on the road where the phones don't work against the Patriots, and then you got to go on the road against the best running team in the NFL – against the Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens. That's a hard trek, dude. That's a really and you tough win track. The Super Bowl. And, and so you got to win the Super Bowl against a team I just saw, the 49ers or the Seahawks or the Saints. And so that's kind of where I am of that's where the importance is. The importance is avoiding the Titans. I don't want to see that team. I don't want to see them in the playoffs. And so I think it's at this point, and I know how important the rest is, and you've talked about it a million times. You've told me how, great, how important that is yeah. for the team. There, there's no question about it. For me, the importance is you don't have to see the Titans potentially in the first round. <laughs> I like that. I get that, man. I put it this way. Put it this way. I would rather, if I were to choose, I would rather play the first round game um, against someone else than face the Titans in the second round. Like I just, we just know this football team. Okay, I got look. I'll admit when I'm wrong. I watch a lot of football. I had one of my best lines of the show. I said I watch a lot of football. Hours and hours. Ryan Tannehill sucks. I said that. Let me tell you something. I've studied a lot more of Ryan Tannehill in the last month. I still don't think he's good, but you know what he is good at? He is really good in that offense. It is a ground-based scheme dedicated to getting the football to a 6'4". That's right. I think Derrick Henry might be 6'4", 250-pound running back with a stiff arm like Earl Campbell, who's adept at somehow running outside. He's good at it. I don't know why, but he is. They are committed to the run game, and they know who they are. They believe in playing defense. They commit to the run. They go play action off the run, and they rely on Ryan Tannehill to connect on schemed-up throws off the run game. And guess what? Oh, and by the way, protect the football. And guess what? He's done it. And by the way, he's also been really good at creating with his feet. He's like an older Josh Allen. And you know I love Josh Allen. He's been good this year. So, Listen, yes, the Titans are terrifying. By the way, the one thing that we always say they don't have is, like, the skill players. I know this for a fact. I have A.J. Brown on my fantasy yeah. team. A.J. Brown can play, okay? A.J. Brown can play. So there's stuff there that you got to worry about. You guys know you lost the game to the Titans you're not supposed to. I'm with you 100%. Um, if, if you're the Chiefs, you just got to avoid that Titans team because they know they can come in here and win. They've already done it in the playoffs. I'm more afraid of the Titans than I am literally any other team in the NFL. I'm not kidding. I'm not overstating this. I am literally more afraid of the Titans than I am any other team. I'm not afraid of the Patriots. I'm a little afraid of the Ravens, but I, I, I'm more afraid because of the matchup of the Titans than I am the Ravens. That's 100% true, Charles. I don't even blame you. And plus, it's like, I'm like, you know, PTSD, you know, like, how many times you got to see this team lose to the Titans in, like, devastating ways? 
this has just happened so many times with Chiefs fans. Um, one thing I will say, I, I'll give some people some optimism on this. There are enough players left around from some of these like really crushing losses to the Titans. There's no way they take those guys lightly at all. My hunch is that if you want to be positive, this could happen. The Chiefs get matched up with the Titans. The entire city goes, oh, God, no. Oh, how could this happen? Oh, jeez, anybody but the Titans. And then the players hear this, and they're like, okay, all right. Mahomes comes out swinging, and they beat him by 15 to 20. That could happen. But it's going to take kind of that overreaction about, I don't know. It's going to be the national people saying, I don't know, the Titans. You know, it might take that. So, bottom line, if you do get the Titans, hope that everybody is kind of like going with the Titans and thinking it would be an upset, and the Chiefs can have a nobody believed in us game. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kiley. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. Coming up on the other side, I have a couple of quick hitters that I want to run by Therese Paler, including McCole Hardman. I think he should play more, not less. I think Sammy Watkins should play less, not more. So we'll get into that on the other side. Plus, a little bit more on this Patriots game, kind of the last couple of things that I want to run by, and we'll do that, plus go around the NFL. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. We've got Therese Paler, one of the best NFL writers in the country, alongside me, Nick Price, producing this bad boy. We will get to some of your questions coming up here in just about five minutes or so. The text line is 69306. If you want to hit us up on Twitter before, during, or after the show, you can always do so. He's at Therese Paler. I am at DK Sports Talk. All right, Therese, before we go around the NFL, I had a couple more things that I wanted to run by you from this game. The first thing is this. McCall Hardman is good. Like, there's still things he needs to improve upon, and I know you've talked a lot about the side adjustments, but McCall Hardman can play, and he's a weapon in this offense in the way that very few guys around the league are. Is it time for him to start playing more? Because I want to see more of what he's able to do, not less of it. What he did... Like literally making was John Jones look like he was standing in, in the mud. I'm ready to see more college Macklin. Like that's who this guy is. Um, and yeah, you appreciate that as a Mizzou guy. Like he, him and Tyreek with Patrick is going to be a lot of fun for a really long time. Um, that guy can just flat out go. And the best thing about Ty being on the field is that he'll always attract the attention. And Hartman's going to get one-on-one matchups, and no one can run with him. So when him and Patrick fully get on the same page with their timing and they got like a good thing going, this team's going to be really difficult to stop. So is it time to see more of McCole Hardman? I wouldn't be surprised if we do see more. You know, typically this month is when you start seeing rookies really start getting more work because they've had months and months of like getting the playbook down. And like you start seeing, you know, which pups have, have bite now. And if, and if they bite, you know, they're going to end up being pretty good. So this is the time of year when a lot of rookies end up um, if they haven't made an impact already, actually end up doing it. One thing that I noticed, Therese, yesterday was the defensive side of the ball, they had a very clear game plan. They had a game plan that worked. They had a game plan that was effective. We talked about that early in this show. The offensive side of the ball coming into it, I felt like there was one thing that I noticed that was different than what we've seen in recent weeks, Therese, and it was the motions. There were motions all over the place, specifically with Tyreek Hill. He was moving from one side to the other. He was moving to the backfield. He was moving out wide. He was moving all over the place prior to the snap. 
I don't think we've seen that as much lately, and I noticed it specifically in this game. Do you think that was a wrinkle that uh, Andy Reid had coming yeah. into this one? Yeah, remember, guys, like, you've only got so much you can do because you can't practice you know, with these guys on the field for three hours a day. So oftentimes, I want people to remember this, a lot of times when, it, when, it, when your team goes out there and their offense doesn't really resemble kind of what you've seen, a lot of times it's because they simplify things, they're trying to change what their upcoming teams are going to see on tape. They're trying to balance out their tendencies. You have to kind of pick and choose when you're going to use some of your really good stuff in the league because everybody's you know, good. And the best teams you see in your schedule, if you put it all out on tape, they're going to be really prepared for you. So I wasn't terribly surprised that Andy saved some of this stuff. You know, they, they don't need – they didn't need to bring this stuff out to beat the Raiders. They didn't need this stuff out to beat the Chargers. They know those teams. You know, so – that's, that's why I said earlier in the show, BK, the trick is since they pulled out some of this good stuff, they better make sure they have counters and wrinkles off of it when they meet this team again down the road. Chiefs pulled out their best stuff against the Patriots. They weren't the only ones that did that this weekend. Let's go around the yeah. NFL, and let's start with the game that you were watching yesterday, Therese. You're down in New Orleans. You were there for the Saints and the 49ers. What did you take away from what I believe to be the game of the 2019 season? It was the game of the year. It had a lot of shades of Chiefs-Rams from last year. And you wonder how these two really good defenses gave up nearly 100 points combined. Well, I'll tell you, this was a game both teams really wanted to win. So what did they do, BK? They, they called their wrinkle stuff. They, they called their wrinkle to their wrinkles. They, they called this stuff. And both coaches were like, oh, okay, it's like that, huh? Great. I got, we got our stuff, too. And that's why Sean Payton, in my opinion, was so angry after the game. You know, somebody asked him like a kind of a softball question, like, hey, do you have to, you feel good that you guys read it, you, you were just this close. He was like, are you telling me how to feel? Because guess what? I'd be pissed too if I caught a lot of my good stuff and I lost the game. Like, they knew that game was important and they lost. So you're kind of seeing this type of thing. That's what happened, in my opinion. And, and one other thing I'll say about this game, I wrote a column a while ago saying, I don't know about Jimmy G. You got to see more. And in my defense, in the big games, he hasn't really been great this year, but Yesterday, I really felt like you had to be in that stadium where all the way at the top, you like my, my computer was rattling. It was rattling because the, the table was shaking, okay? Um, he was really calm, and he was really cool, and he really impressed his teammates by putting his body on the line for him on multiple occasions. You can win that game in that environment against Sean Payton when he's trying. You can get to the Super Bowl. I was wrong about the 49ers. I was prepared to be late on them. I was willing to be late on them. I was wrong. I said this is the stretch that I needed to see it from them. They played the Packers, the Ravens, and the Saints in consecutive weeks. They beat the crap out of the Packers. They won that game 37 to 8. It wasn't even close. They played really well against the Ravens on the road, took a last-second field goal for the Ravens to ultimately win that game, and then they went down to the Saints in the Superdome right after that physical game out in Baltimore. And they nearly won this one, or they did win this one, excuse me, as well. I, I was wrong. I, I was flat out wrong on the 49ers. They are absolutely a Super Bowl contender. And the win yesterday, Therese, you mentioned that they both really wanted to win this one. There was a reason why the 49ers needed it. They went from the five seed coming into the day to now the one seed coming out of it. They went from having to play on the road in the first round of the playoffs to having home field advantage throughout at this point. And can we take a minute to appreciate how garbage that is? It's ridiculous. That the, that the number two team in the NFC West 
is going to have to play a road game in Dallas or Philly. By the way, neither one of those teams even deserves to be in the playoffs, to be honest. The neither team wants to win, and they get to host the home game. That's garbage. I think there's got, there should be some amendment where if you win your division with less than with eight or less wins, you forfeit the home game or something because that's garbage. Next thing up for you, Therese, Drew Locke. He absolutely shredded yes. the Texans last week. Yes. Here's my question for you. So the Chiefs are playing him on Sunday. I don't think it's going to go as well. I think we've seen Drew in college. He has these hot streaks where he looks incredible, and I think that was what happened yesterday. I will ask you this, though. If he does play well down the stretch, do you think he deserves a shot to be the long-term answer in Denver? Absolutely. I I like Drew Locke, man. I agree. I I was basically deciding between him and Kyler Murray as my all-juice quarterback this year. You know why I like Drew Locke? Because he shows the ability to what I always say make second reaction plays. But that matters. And, like, he's really given that team some juice this year. Like, I, I got to say, again, I watch a lot of – I just you can't imagine how much time I spent taking notes. I dread reviewing Broncos games before he took over. Oh, just Joe Flacco with his just call. Ah, ah, it's just awful. Oh, it was horrible watching Philip Lindsay get ruined. But Drew Locke has given that team a lot of juice. Sometimes he drops sidearm, so he's running around, he's doing stuff, he's flicking it, and he's giving that offense a lot of energy. I kind of feel like, barring like a disaster down the stretch, he deserves it anyway because he's got arm strength, he's got creativity, and let's face it, you know, we talked about this on my Yahoo NFL podcast, and he looked bad in the preseason. Yep. He looked overwhelmed, he looked skittish, and I love Drew Luck. You guys know that, but he'd probably admit that to you. He's come a long way in three months. And I think I would love to see what he looks like next year with a whole offseason. I think he kind of deserves it. Him, Noah Fant, and Cortland Sutton is a really interesting trio moving yeah. forward. Hey, all really young guys. Yep. You know, these are rookie contract guys, man. That's a Oh, don't forget my man Philip Lindsay now. Like, they've got some young pieces already. So, I'm telling you, if they hit on Drew Locke, they're not that far away from being salty. Put it this way. If they hit on Drew Locke, they might be closer to being, like, legitimately salty than the Raiders because I – there's a higher ceiling for Drew Locke than Derek Carr. Derek Carr's 28, bro, and we know what he is now. Drew Locke's 22. Could two more things around the NFL, and I want to get to a couple of texts from the listeners, Therese. Let's go with this one first. The OBJ news cycle is back. Your guy Charles Robinson oh. reported earlier today. It sure sounds like this is going to head for a terrible ending in Cleveland. Therese, I feel like this ends with the New England Patriots sending a third-round pick to the Browns for Odell Beckham this offseason. Tell me why I'm wrong, if I'm wrong. I, I can't. I mean, I can't. Um, I, if, he get, if he ends up as a Patriot with Tom Brady and throwing him passes, he will catch 13 touchdowns next year for 1,200 yards. That's all. I, there's some issues in Cleveland. I'm not going to get into them now because we want to get to some other stuff. But I actually think it could be a good thing for Cleveland because then it would totally force them to become a running-oriented team that thrives off play action, and then Baker keys in on Najoku and Jarvis Landry. That's who they should be. And without Beckham in there force-feeding him, that might even allow him to be more of who they should be. Final question as we go around the NFL, Therese. 30 seconds for you. Are the Rams back? No. I mean, it, this last game, they definitely looked like last year. But one thing to remember, the Seahawks didn't get any pressure on Jared Goff. I thought we understood that if you don't hit Goff, he's going to light you up. So, like, this is not like – there's no growth from last year. It's the same guy. Uh, the Seahawks didn't get pressure. He lit them up. Let's see what happens when a team is hitting. I think we already know. 
I think this team's going to win nine games or something, and they're going to need to improve the offensive line to fully get back to what they were last year. Therese, let's get some text from the listeners. The text line, 69306. Here's the first one for you. Therese, what I liked most about yesterday was Clark Jones. They talked crap with Tom Brady getting his, in his face. Right. Sammy Watkins was fighting Gilmore on the sidelines. That showed me that they're not scared anymore. They announced that they want to bully the bully back. What do you think about the attitude that the Chiefs imposed? It. Come on, man. If you listen to this show, you know me already. I watched the team get bullied by the Broncos for years until they stood up to him. I want to see it. And that's why I defended Frank Clark earlier in this year. Frank Clark is a dog who loves football. Tyron Matthew, dog who loves football. A bunch of these guys love the game of football and are competing. So, yeah, you better have it because when times get tough, these are the guys that give you the fighting spirit you need to overcome adversity. Last text for you. Last night couldn't have gone any better for the Chiefs. They get the W. Everybody still doubts them because of the refs. That was a perfect win for the Kansas City Chiefs. Couldn't really dis- Co- could, couldn't Co-Sign. agree more. Um, the thing to look for if you're a Chiefs fan, do they play with the same intensity this week against Denver? It shouldn't take that effort to beat them. It means you don't have to call your best stuff, obviously. But if you play hard and focus in and do your job, you're going to win the game. So let's just make sure that the focus is the same. And if, if the focus is the same after a big win like that, that makes me think, okay, good. These guys have championship-level intensity and focus. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kiley. We appreciate you listening to the Therese Paler Show tonight. The full thing will be available on the Radio.com app and 610sports.com. For Therese, for Nick Price, I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.